0: You're listening to Master Photography Podcast. Turn your great idea into reality with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easier than ever to launch your passion project, whether you're showcasing your work or selling products of any kind. With beautiful templates and the ability to customize just about anything, you can easily make a beautiful website yourself. And if you do get stuck, Squarespace's 24-7 award-winning customer support is there to help. So head on over to squarespace.com improve for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code improve and you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So squarespace.com improve. Welcome to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You are joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I am Brent Berger, I'm your host for the show, and today I'm joined by my good friend, Brian McGuckin. Brian, welcome. Hey, good to be back. Yes. I, I miss
1: you. How have you been?
0: Oh, doing good. Been busy, but doing good. And it's spring break right now, so I'm headlong into some
1: projects and just keeping it pushing. Definitely. Yeah. This is a time of projects coming, you know, as the weather kind of gets nicer and everybody wants to get their photo shoots in. And so, yeah, things definitely kick up here a bit. Yeah. the
0: Speaking of, you know, weather and, and, and winter and whatnot, it was kind of weird here in the Northwest. It was just a nice, robust winter. And like two weeks ago, all of a sudden it just went whoop. And it's like almost 70 degrees out now. So, Uh, It has really changed considerably, and the weather's gorgeous. Flowers are starting to bloom. And and so uh, I'm going to probably get out to shoot once this week, though, which is kind of sad. But I've got that new Sony A6400 I'm going to test out. So I'm going to get at least one shoot in with
1: that camera. So I'm looking forward to that. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's uh, spring break starts for us this week here in a couple of days. And so my family and I were going to do a a two-day drive from indianapolis out to colorado oh wow so we're gonna we're gonna be over there in the rockies and oh so spend a week there awesome so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be fun we're gonna spend the first few days at a, a dude ranch nice kind of um which i'm excited about and i think that's gonna be some awesome photo opportunities there and then we're gonna go skiing for a day or snowboarding and then we're gonna go hiking for a day and then It'll take us a couple of days to drive back, but oh man, uh, I'm I'm excited just to have a different scenery than what I normally have, and uh, I don't know exactly weather wise what to expect. You know, I've been trying to keep an eye on it, but hey, it's the it's a Rockies, so it's got to be good, right?
0: Oh, it, it's I'm so jealous. Doing something like that with a family would be amazing, uh, especially just even if you just kick back on the dude ranch. But you know, going on the hikes and whatnot that's that's just right up my alley too. So I'm sure you have a
1: good time yeah it's gonna be fun awesome it'll be It'll be a good break before i, I get back because I have a a big project coming up
0: yeah so tell us you have is that is that project one of the things you that we're talking about you have a topic here about working with city officials and the like.
1: Yeah, yeah, so it's hard to describe this because it it may sound weird to certain people, but uh so where I live, which is officially it's Carmel Indiana, which is on the north side of Indianapolis. Um, Carmel is the kind of self-proclaimed roundabout capital of the world. And you know what a roundabout is, right?
0: Yes, I do. Okay. And so I, for one, if I may just get my opinion out there in this area anyway, I don't care for them, but there's always, there's an asterisk that goes along with that, but I'll, I'll fill you in on that later.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, I, I love them. Uh, it has been amazing for my community and just so helpful. And that's well. I should clear. Well, yeah, I, I kind of basically said I love them. Not everybody does. Yeah. But basically they've replaced almost every, every signal, every light and a lot of stop sign intersections with these roundabouts. And the number of accidents have reduced by like 80% as far as like injuries go. And like 40% as far as accidents go. And it's been like helping with gas and it keeps the traffic flowing. And I mean, for the most part, they're pretty easy to figure out how to drive around because you just you turn right, and you know you just have to watch your left. Yeah. And so the the main thing I that our mayor keeps talking about is how traffic uh, accidents are down because nobody's speeding because you're not going to speed into an intersection because it's not an intersection. You know, it's a a roundabout, and our roundabouts being where we live here in Carmel, um, there's some type of like big statue or fountain or light thing in the middle of it. So that way it's got your attention, but yeah, they've been great. Why don't you like them or what's your issue with them? So in in my area, we live
0: probably less than a half a mile from three of them and they're right where you get on the highway and they made them too small and they're forcing Mm -hmm. semi-trucks to go around them And the semi-trucks are always having to either take up both lanes or they have to jump the curb. And it just, they needed to make them about twice as big. And it's just not a good thing for all the semi-truck traffic that goes through there. So it's really annoying, partly because the semi-trucks, but also because they're really close to the highway. And people love to just ignore the fact that when you're coming into the roundabout, you need to be the one that is doing the yielding if you are already in the roundabout, you have the right of way. And they love to just fire right on in there. And I've almost gotten into about four accidents myself, just because people are shooting right in and they're not paying any attention to how you're supposed to treat a roundabout. And so it just is really annoying because they're not big enough. If they had made them bigger, I probably wouldn't hate it so much, but I'm I'm not a fan of of these here, and so that's why I said it has an asterisk going along with it because it is qualified with just however they're treating it here, uh, just you know less than a half a mile from my home.
1: Okay, well that makes sense. I get that, and I think we probably have had similar issues in the beginning because there's been a couple roundabouts that they've gone back to and kind of fixed or enlarged. Yeah. Them, um, but it's it's been a huge traffic saver because. Again, Carmel's on the north side of Indianapolis, so there's tons of people coming in like in and out of Indianapolis. Sure. And, you know, every mile would be a stoplight, an intersection. And what used to take like probably take about twenty minutes just to get from one end of town to the other on the like on the highway. Uh now it takes like six. Wow. That's and nice. So it's yeah, it's been helpful for that. Very cool. But um but I guess we could sit here and talk about roundabouts forever. <laughs> but roundabouts like I visually I'm attracted to them um one of the coolest roundabouts I have experienced was uh, last year a year and a half ago in um in Norway, we're driving through a tunnel you know through a mountain, yeah, and going through a tunnel, and all of a sudden there's a roundabout in the middle of the mountain, yeah, like, in the tunnel, and that just threw me off I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever uh, so it was it was unbelievable, it was so beautiful uh but so I've been thinking lately, I do a lot of photography for our city, for and for our county, for the visitors bureau. And uh, roundabouts are a big thing and our mayor's all over all over them and, and advertising them and, and sharing just how great they've been. And so I thought to myself, I should make a book of the roundabouts. I like just, you know, taking pictures of them, you know, use my drone and get some overhead shots and all. Because they are geo um, They are geometrically, you know, attractive. Sure. And so, I had mentioned it to a neighbor who actually works with the mayor, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, we we've had one before." And I said, "What do you think? You know, would it be hard to do one again, or what are your thoughts as far as the city goes?" And he's like, "I don't know. I'll have to get back to you." Uh, So a couple of months went by, and he actually got back to me. He said, "Hey, the." Uh, the city actually came to me and asked about doing another roundabout book. And I mentioned that there's this great photographer that lives in our community and he's a teacher as well. So, you know, he's part of the community and and that you had mentioned wanting to do it as well. So he said, you know, let's get together and let's talk and kind of like figure out, you know, what this would consist of and what they're looking for. So I haven't really been in a situation before. You know, most of what I've shot are, uh, you know, weddings or for a client where I just say, you know, here's my price, you know, ahead of time for the packages and all. Or uh, when I did some work for the travel company before, you know, it was a certain amount per day. Yeah. So this was a totally different thing for me because it was kind of like a project, and I've never really had a project like this. So uh, basically, they said by the time it's all it's all said and done, there's going to be 125 roundabouts. Mm. Wow. which right now right now i think we have 110. So there's about 15 more that they're going to be working on over the next year or so. And they're like what we want is we want um we want a couple fo- a couple photos of each roundabout. You know, some from the ground and then also you know a couple from the air from a drone. And so they're like, you know, wh- what do you think that's worth to you? How would you price that? Wow. And Because they also said, you know, we don't really have a budget for it. Of course. (laughs) Well, the the county I'm in is one of the most affluent counties. Well, it is the most affluent county uh, in in Indiana and probably one of the top in the Midwest area. And so I'm like, okay, you're a city. You don't have a budget for it, but you've got to have money for this. Right. And for as much as you love to advertise these things, this book is going to be important to you. Mm Mm-hmm. So before I I talk more, like how would you have approached that? Oh my, that would be that'd be so difficult. Are they looking for
0: a single price, a package price, or are they willing to go on a on an hourly rate kind of a thing? Because it'd be tempting to just say, you know what, let's just do hourlies, and I'll license the images for you know the use that the city needs but I'm also going to be able to still use the images for whatever my needs are as well. Uh, I'd be tempted to go that way about it. But if they wanted to have uh, you know, a full-on package deal, uh, we would have to have some kind of payment over time because this is going to be a huge project that lasts at least a year. And then you got to... I imagine you're going to be putting the,
1: the book together as well, or are they going to hire a designer to put the book together? Yeah, no, they're going to... Um well, first they want to have it done by the winter. So wow. it'll be less than less than a year to do. Okay. Um then they're gonna put the book together themselves. There's actually there's a company that kinda owns the right to or, or has designed all the roundabouts. So the city's gonna be selling the book as well as um as well as the company that'll be pushing it. And they wanna have the rights to all the images. So the, the price just went up. <laughs>
0: if the contractor is so you're saying it's a single contractor that did all these roundabouts or at least designed all these roundabouts yes wow yes so for me the price just went up threefold because they're going to use it to advertise their mastery of designing and developing roundabouts and it would take me a while to to come up with a number that i could really settle on but this this would be a big number as
1: far as you know what what my thinking would be anyway Okay, so now I I'm not at liberty to share my numbers ish, you know, but so what would you have said? So 125. <laughs> there's 125 roundabouts. They want to have maybe five good shots from the air and maybe five good shots from the ground for each roundabout.
0: Oh man. Um, so that's 625 total shots if you did five shots apiece. And think about all the editing and everything like that, um, man. Even if you were to try and average average it out to like fifty dollars per shot, that's thirty one thousand dollars.
1: Yeah, for the record, I am
0: not getting that much <laughs> <laughs> because. But, go ahead. <laughs> well, fifty dollars per photo. You know maybe that's um, maybe that's a little too steep. You know, maybe we look at an average of uh, thirty-five dollars per photo. That's still twenty-one thousand dollars, eight hundred and seventy-five. So, I would probably the the number that was in my mind initially was this is this has got to be over ten grand. But still, like I mentioned, I'd have to really do some research and contemplate on this before I could feel comfortable with a number like that. But it is a huge project, and then the if the company wants it to, there's a huge marketing uh appeal for them so it, it would have to be it would have to be a substantial sum i would think you know put it to I, mm-hmm. I always say put it to in the light of what if this was your full-time job how much would you need to put food on the table and pay rent and or mortgage or what have you uh and i always try and think of it that way even though photography is not my full-time job you know maybe one day hopefully it will be and uh so we have to keep it in that if from for my mind anyway we have to keep it in that idea of I don't want to undersell myself because then they're going to potentially come back and say, well, you were so cheap before. And the argument of saying, well, it wasn't my full-time full time job before and I now have a family to support. That, that's not a big argument. I don't see that being successful. They're just going to be like, I don't care. You gave us a price a lot cheaper earlier. So
1: you, mm-hmm. you run yourself into some potential problems if you undercut. Well, what if they say to you, well, you know, we're going to put your name in the book. So it's going to be great advertisement for you.
0: Woohoo! More money, please. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I I am not
0: one that gets too excited about having the name in the book. It's you're going to get lots of recognition locally and regionally for that. Absolutely, there's actually going to be some good value to that for sure because they're going to pipe it up uh, a lot. There's also a little bit of that, you know, you can weigh it in and say there's a little bit of that civic value that goes into it because you know this is a city project kind of an idea there the city is trying to to make this happen so having that kind of um that kind of idea that goes along with it but since you know it really it goes out that part in my mind goes out the window since the company themselves wants to use these as marketing pieces the company should be licensing them from you so if that is a separate deal where the city pays you a certain fee and the company pays you a certain fee sure the city's fee would
1: be pretty cheap but the um the company's fee would be a little bit more. And and my my response was i think a typical response from a, a professional photographer with you know that's all nice and pretty but having my name in there isn't necessarily going to get me more business. Yeah. You know, which a lot of people don't understand. And that's kind of with the whole you know shoot my wedding for free and i'm going to tell all my friends, you know, and they're going to see you at the reception and you're going to get all these other weddings, it's and like, no. they will also expect it for free. <laughs> for free, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So it, yeah. it's
0: yeah, it's never. It's rarely, I should say. Uh When I do things for the church, I do things for free uh, or extremely low cost. But mm-hmm. there's a very different purpose there, and I'm right. happy to do that. When it's something along these lines or anything else, I should say that just doesn't it. It, it just doesn't make sense for me to spend my time is valuable and your time is valuable. You know, we, we each have four kids and we need to make it worth it for us to be extracted away from our families to make this happen. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just a, it's a tough one to swallow when they're, they're trying to sell you the pill that says, well, we'll, we'll talk nicely about you and everything that rarely turns into dollars.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of, I came up with a number, um, You know, I live right in the middle of it all. Like I live downtown and within one square mile of me, there's probably 20 of those 125 roundabouts. Cool. You know, so it's close to my home. And uh, as a teacher, you know, I I have the summer where I really focus more on my photography. So I'll have time for this project. But um, I'm kind of proud of myself because at the same time I told them, I'm like, well, whether you have me do this or somebody else do this it makes sense to also, cause they want to have this stuff for like, you know, archive purposes. Right. And I said, well, it makes sense to also, you know, have a little video clip. You know, if oh, I have absolutely. a drone and I'm already up there doing pictures, why not have a 20 second, you know, 30 second video clip just hovering over it and, and the car is coming in and out, you know, yeah. to show all that. And they're like, Oh, that's a good idea. They're like, why don't you, you know, put that in a proposal for us as well. And let us know, you know what, what you would want for that. And, well, see the so, the
0: beauty there is you've effectively doubled their value that they're getting, but it mm-hmm. takes you about five extra minutes to 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 satisfy that. so it makes right. your argument I would say a lot stronger to be able to offer
1: that as well and for me, like uh, the way I kind of priced it was it's gonna cost more to do video of each roundabout than it is a picture. Because I, you know, I can edit photos like that, right? You know, I've been doing that for years. Where video is kind of a newer thing to me, and it's like I gotta edit one video at a time. But, um, but I'm happy with the number that I came up with, and uh, there was a kind of a verbalish agreement on things. <laughs> and tomorrow, uh, tomorrow we go to make stuff official, I believe. Awesome. So, so I'm looking forward to it. So it's gonna be a, a project that I'm gonna have, and uh, you know, it's kind of like well. How do you price something like that? And I just thought it'd be good for listeners to kind of hear of you know just the thought process of it and you know to me, it's like I live in the community, I want to be part of the community, and so I feel good about contributing to that so although I may not be getting you know thirty thousand dollars for just the the pictures for those right, I'm happy with the number that I have and sure, and it'll be fun, you know, especially drone photography is something that's been new to me over this past year. So I'll enjoy that a lot. Oh, yeah. That'll be awesome. So I'm just curious what drone you have. Well, after I sign this contract, <laughs> then I'm going to have the, the uh, Mavic Pro 2. Nice. Um, right now, I just have the Mavic Air, Okay. which is fun, but um, I already have the shopping cart ready to go. I just want to nice. make sure that... It's official so that way I can keep my marriage and my wife won't be upset.
0: (laughs) Yes. Keeping the spouse happy is absolutely important. You bet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've actually thought a little bit about drone photography, but my problem is I just don't like all the extra regulations that go along with it and mostly from the FAA. Mm -hmm. But thankfully at my work, uh, I'm in the same department as our um, aviation program. And one of our pilots uh, is just getting himself uh, licensed for a drone, which is really easy since he's a pilot. Uh, he knows everything already, and I'm mm-hmm. just like, you know what, I should just, you know, kind of sidle
1: up to him, and it would make my life a lot easier. So
0: we'll we'll see if that can happen this summer.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're fun. They're I mean, there are definitely the regulations that you have to follow and be aware of, but it's enjoyable to have, and uh, I think especially for like to capture my community where I live. in in a different way, it's bringing attention to me. And when you can do something in a positive way that brings attention to you, then it just helps your business succeed even more. Absolutely. So my only thing I have to be aware of is, you know, the weather has a big impact on that, especially with the drone because of the wind or the rain. Right. You know, I had some ideas for some sweet uh, snow shots this winter, but it was never the right snow and you just got to be aware of all that cool
0: well that sounds really intriguing and i hope you can tell us more about that as the project unfolds because i think there's i would imagine there's a lot of listeners that are interested in drone photography as well and and this might be something that can inspire them because i would think a lot of our little towns yours isn't really a little town but a lot of our towns and cities probably could use something like this and and it might just come together for some listeners as
1: well so that'd be awesome to hear back more about this Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. So the other topic that I wanted to discuss uh, deals with uh, kind of, I don't know the official term to use for it, but almost like having like a little gallery show, like a gallery viewing. Sure. um, You know, whether it be your work hanging up somewhere for a month or maybe just a week, or maybe even just like a night or a weekend. Have you ever done a gallery viewing? Yeah, I have.
0: It's been a long time, but literally within arm's reach, I'm now holding this, this book from photographer to gallery artist by Carol Lane. I've read, I don't know, 15 pages of it. And then life got busy with other stuff. Uh, so it's been something that has always been close to the top of my mind, but I've never jumped, I guess, to that next thing to con- to actually contact galleries to, to make that happen. It would be probably easier to get into some other companies, whether it's, Maybe if there's a doctor's office or anything else like that, possibly it might be easier to to display some images in those types of places. Is that what you're thinking about too? Um, yeah, somewhat similar.
1: First, how'd you come across that book? I wish I could tell you. Um, I, I can tell you. Did Did you bring it up to me? <laughs> uh, well, on my, on my podcast, Thoughts on Photography. That must be that it. I, I haven't brought it back to life again yet. She actually reached out to me Ah. a a few years ago. And ironically, she lives like in my area. I bet you that's (laughs) it. I listened to that podcast and I bought a book. So it worked. Awesome. All right. (laughs) That's funny. But we have our local local library is a, a very nice, it's an amazing library. And they have this like artist wall. Awesome. And there's an artist of the month where... Uh, You can have whatever, if it's like knitting or drawing or metalwork, any type of art form. And you get to be the artist for the month. Cool. So um, a couple years ago, I was the artist for the month. And so I I had a handful of pictures at that time that were framed and canvas and um, acrylic and just a whole bunch of different prints. And I had it up there for the month. And then from there, I'm like, okay, where am I going to put this now? Oh, yeah. And so, luckily, I was able to find a nearby restaurant that was interested in having it on display. So, I just took almost everything over there. For some reason, they wouldn't let me have a church photo from Iceland because it was representing religion. So, Mm. they're like, sorry, we can't use that one. I'm like, this is like my favorite. Yeah. That's Uh, too bad. But I was able to keep my work up there for a few months. And then it got back to, okay, it's sitting in my basement right now until my shelving system is going to be done in my office studio. Somebody recently approached me and just said, hey, I have a friend who uh, does this like artist gallery thing for a weekend and your work would be up there. And, you know, we have, are you familiar with like first Fridays and second Saturdays?
0: Yeah, they're kind of some kind of um, community event type thing or something like that. Yeah. That are art art oriented.
1: Right, right. And so I, there's one which I didn't realize. I always thought it was just first Fridays and second Saturdays, but there's one called Third Thursdays. And so uh, they have like on a Thursday, you come to this uh, restaurant and it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, but I guess a lot of people come to drink wine and kind of check out the, the artwork. And usually there's some type of musician also playing, but it allows you to, you know, you're there during that time. So that the the viewers can uh, get a chance to meet you and cool. to talk with you, and so one of the things that can be done there is uh, you can have prints available to sell, and that's something that I have not done yet. You know, I've had my work displayed in multiple areas, but I've never been there for one of like a gallery opening like with prints to sell. So you know, in my mind, it's like, okay, well, what's the most common size? that I should have. Right. And do I just put it in a sleeve or do I put it in a sleeve with a mat or and I, do I print it myself or do I print them online and do I have five of these or this or that? And, and and I I know you have experience with printing. Yes. So my guess is that you would probably print yourself or would you outsource some of this?
0: For the most part I would probably try and print it myself. And the biggest reason I would do that is largely cost-oriented because when you're printing yourself, you got to pay for the paper and you got to pay for the ink, the matte board as well. And that's probably it. For an 11 by 14 size image, you probably have seven to $10 wrapped up into that print, plus your time, of course. And seven to $10 Maybe a little more. Maybe it's 10 to 15 if you got really good paper and a really good mat board or something like that. Uh, and then, of course, you need to add in the uh, backing board. So it'll be closer to 10 to $15 because you have the backing board uh, and then you need to have the ability to uh, wrap it up and put it in that sleeve. So between 10 and $15. But that also need to look at are you going to buy the mat board or are you going to cut it yourself? You have to have the space to cut it yourself. And you have to have the skill to cut it yourself. So there's lots of things that goes along with it, but that also helps you decide what size you're going to print. Cause you mentioned that too. So there's all these things that kind of funnels down from, you know, the everything is possible and it funnels down to saying, well, what, what can I really do? What can I really make happen here? Uh, what's, what's actually reasonable. So if you want to do Canvas. Most folks need to outsource that. If you wanted to do metal prints, that's going to be outsourced. And you mentioned I think in the library you had some acrylic prints too. That's a really complex process to face mount acrylic. I've done it and it screwed up the couple of times that I did it, and I was just like, mm, I'm not going to try this again because I just don't have time to figure it out. I'll stick with what I know. Uh, maybe sometime down the road I'll get back into it, but it's a super that can be a super complex process. So it just kind of depends on what the nature is of what you're looking for. The standard traditional print, that's relatively easy to do. Uh, but of course, you have to have a printer and, and all that
1: stuff too. So there's costs there as well. Well, all I have is the, the Canon Pro 100. Yeah, well, that's a fine printer. So, so that's what I have. So I'm not an expert like you. You're, you're, you're making the course. Tell us again briefly about your printing course that you have, that you're working on. I you, You've spent like months and months. Oh my goodness. <laughs> months and months is definitely
0: the way I, the last, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas breaks, every waking hour that wasn't put into, uh, planning for the next you know thing at the school or what have you, I was videoing and editing the the videos. And this spring break, now that I'm in the middle of that, I am putting all the final touches on things are going to go on the website starting tomorrow. It's all coming together and I'm just bubbling with excitement because I'll finally be done uh, with this huge, huge thing. But yes, it's all about getting understanding what we need to do with our images. And that's one of the things that I think we can also be kind of a little more cautious about because especially when you're starting to say, Hey, I, I would like to charge money for this. I, I would hope you, Brian, have the confidence that your art is quote-unquote good enough to charge the price that it's worth, not you know, downgrading it to like 15 bucks for a print just because you know you're sheepish about it or whatever the case might be, whatever reasoning one can come up with in their mind. But if you have some experience getting the print going and you're understanding all the stuff that needs to happen for... Uh, getting just consistent results and really good results, then then that can help enhance your ideas there of, of confidence in, in your imagery. And so I don't cover the idea of um, matting the images, but everything up until that point, yes. And I have the Canon, you have the 100, I have the Pro 10, slight differences between those printers, but they're so minimally slight, it's not hardly worth talking about. Uh, the experience is pretty much the same. So it's um so it's a it's a fine printer and you'll get good results out of that printer and you would be able to command
1: a, a decent price for your art from the from that machine as well. Okay, so then let me let me do this because I'm sure there are a handful of photographers out there who also are in a similar position with me as far as like okay I've got like my final piece going but what if somebody wants to buy something and they want to buy it like there on the spot right so you know like. I have no wisdom in print settings and colors and papers and this, this and that. I've got my computer. I've got my Canon pro 100 and I believe I should have prints available for people to buy. Yeah. So tell me what to do.
0: Oh goodness. How long is this episode? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Tell me
1: what to do in less than three minutes time. Oh, well, we'll probably push it to five. So
0: practice, practice, practice is uh, probably the best thing I can say. And I really would h- say practice with small prints. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm so bad in an interview like this because there's so many things that go on in my mind as I'm trying to put <laughs> words together. What it comes down to is practice though. And practice in something like a five by seven print or what might even be better is to say, what's, your gonna, what's gonna be your final print size? Maybe it's gonna be 11 by 14. That's a very common size. And people will be able to get frames for that quite easily. And so if you were to do an 11 by 14 matted to 16 by 20, let's say, that's a very common frame size, then... So pause, pause. Yes. So
1: are you saying that's what I should do? Probably should do something like that because... So 11 11 by 14 is what I should print.
0: 11 by 14 to 11 by 16, somewhere in that department. 11 by 14 is way more popular for buying a mat, a pre-cut mat. But when you're testing out on that eleven by fourteen, if you were to take your thirteen by nineteen paper and print your eleven by fourteens, you're gonna spend gobs of money just testing things out and getting it honed in. So I would say, crop into that. Go ahead and get it set to that as far as the, you know the the size, but then take your selection tools in Photoshop and crop out a five by seven area where you're just getting rid of all the other stuff. So you're not necessarily resizing. you're just isolating this five by seven area. And you, right. you can work with that and work with getting your sharpening settings on a smart object because then you can change it and you can say, oh, that was too sharp and just easily drop back, put in some more, whatever the case is on your sharpening settings. Because really, usually in my experience, it's the output sharpening that is the most valuable piece of information that you can get when it comes to giving a nice output quality print because you can easily overdo it and if you don't do enough of it then the print just doesn't have that that magnetism that you want it to have that doesn't have that drawing force that you want it to have so select a nice section of the image that has some good detail and some good not you know negative space that's and then you can print five by seven sections and you can then be able to uh be really efficient on your use of ink and paper. Once you have something that you're confident in, transfer those settings to your big print and get that printed out and then judge it on the big print and you'll be able to have confidence in your in your print there. But you'll save some money in the process overall because instead of printing out 5 or 6 or 7 big huge prints, you'll print 5 or 6 small prints and then you'll get a
1: big print out once you're once you have it dialed in. Okay. So if I'm going to simplify this and I'm going to order the prints online... <laughs> sure. Then I'm going to try to go for... You would recommend 11 by 14 still with the, Prob- for the print?
0: Yeah, probably because in my mind, there's something about... Well, look at the cost difference between what it takes to do an 8 by 10 and an 11 by 14. There's probably not that much in the cost difference when you go online with, for a print. But... The size difference in the mind of the of the buyer, to me, if I were to buy something, I would probably rather have it be bigger than smaller, but not too big because I want them to be able to take it home with them too, uh, hopefully easily take it home with them as well and, and not get it damaged in transit to going home. So you would I would still say the 11 by 14 size and then... I would still say practice with that as well. Some labs will go with some free items for you. So you can like upload like three or four prints or images and then they'll just print them out for you and they'll send them to you. And those are your test images. So you can get a feel, okay, so this is what I did in Photoshop, Lightroom Photoshop, and this is how it came out in the end what do I need to do differently in order to, you know, you can ask yourself, what do I need to do differently in order to get even better prints out of it? And so some labs will actually do free prints for you like that. And so that's a really nice benefit. And to do. And they'll also
1: do it on different types of paper.
0: Uh, some of them. Yeah. They'll also do it. Some are limited on which papers they'll do it. And some, you just ask whichever paper you want and they'll do it on that.
1: Okay. All right. And so you picture me. You walk in and you see my amazing, beautiful images displayed on the wall. Just go with me with this, yeah. okay? Uh-huh. And then there I am, looking all smooth and silky in the cor- oh, silky. That sounds kind of weird. Suave, yeah. suave. There you go. <laughs> and and I got my my photographer look on. Yeah. And you walk up and you're like, I would love to buy those prints, but in a smaller size. Yeah. Do you have any prints available? Yeah. So, so what
0: I would do also as you as you said walk with me there I was envisioning this have a commanding image something that's like 3 times bigger than all the others something that is like your wow piece so to speak and I was thinking more of a like bam okay we can go with bam a bam yeah. okay
1: <laughs>
0: and something that elicits a little bit of awe, a little bit of wow, kind of a thing. And that emotion will hopefully be translated to those smaller pieces. And if they were to see that 11 by 14 and they want it bigger, they know you can do it bigger. And then I would say certainly have that available in an eight by 10 or an eight by 12 size as well. uh, So that you can facilitate the smaller sales too. try and be prepared for that if you can, or, you, you let them know, uh, basically you have your your cell phone there with your square reader so you can take a payment right there and then you know have an order form so you can have them fill it out and take their money there rather than the all, oh, let's get in touch later kind of a thing. You know, right. do what you can to take their money right away and then it's your job to fulfill the order and that would be a probably a good way to, to get some sales of the smaller prints if you wanted to do
1: that. So, in, in my eyes, I was envisioning that maybe I should have, like, five prints of each thing. Even though, I mean, that's probably, I mean, that's a lot, you know. In yeah. The end, maybe only a few people would buy, like, one of each. But, or maybe I should have just three of each. That way, I've got more than one. Right. And it is easy to, you know, print more later. Right. Instead of wasting money printing something that's never going to be, you know, bought. Yeah. So...
0: I would do that, but I would not mat them all up. I would probably mat one of them up and have that available. And then I would have the rest of the stock available that if I needed to, I could easily put it into a mat and make it available in five minutes worth of time kind of a thing. Because if you were to mat them all up, all of a sudden you've got boxes worth of all these prints that now if you damage, you can't sell them. So I'd rather keep them not all matted up and all ready to go kind of a thing and just have some of the items ready to go and when they sell you know take five minutes after they leave and put the next print together and just put it right back in the line and and make it go there
1: that's probably how i would approach it anyway that makes sense i mean that's what i've kind of seen Uh, we have carmel has a lot of like i live in the arts and design district and I did little air quotes with my fingers. You just can't see them. <laughs> yes. The Arts and Design District. And so we have like international art fairs and everything. And it's great. It's just the main street is three blocks from my house. So I'll walk down and I'm usually checking out what they're doing. And, you know, they've got them in the plastic sleeve. And a lot of them have, uh, you know, mats around them. And a lot of them don't. And and I know a lot of money is put into that ahead of time. Yes. that That they do. And. So for me, who hasn't done this before, I'm just trying to think, okay, how do I do it better than just a rookie, but not to where it's like, oh, i would invested thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. This.
0: Yeah, I actually, on my shelf behind me, I've got probably 15 or so that are still matted up from the last time I did this. Uh, we have in town a lavender farm, and they have a little little shop where they sell all sorts of little stuff. So I went out there and got some shots, and then a few other regional shots, and I thought I would, uh, you know, put them out there. I know the people uh, pretty well, and so I thought I'd put them out there, and I may have sold one. So it's also about where the audience is too, and and finding the people that are willing to spend this kind of money on art, because uh, it just didn't seem uh, at that venue for at least the price I was wanting to to charge, which wasn't, in my opinion, too bad. It, it just wasn't the right audience either. So usually if you're talking, you know, restaurants and and people have this event, you know, you, you said it was like a third Thursday, it's an art event, people are coming out looking for art. And so you're probably going to have hopefully better luck than than I was having where it's just kind of sitting there and, you know, I wasn't there to, to talk about images or anything
1: like that. They're just sitting there in a little case and that was it. That's a good point. So then my last thought with that all is, okay, it's over. I've unpacked it or I've packed everything back up. And what do I do now? So that way my work isn't hopefully just sitting in my basement again. Yeah. And I know locally, Indianapolis does a great job of supporting their artist. And so there are a lot of different places that I have seen other work. Um, I'm not saying that my work's been in all these. It's been in a couple, but not all of them. But I know, like, other than my library, uh, local coffee shops love to support, you know, their their uh, patrons or people who are coffee addicts. Um, even some like your dentist, you know, might enjoy stuff up uh, a winery, bar, restaurant, uh, even corporations. So, you know, for someone like me who I'm in a school, you know, I, you know, as teachers, we totally. It's like a totally different life in a classroom than it is to picture being in a corporation. And there are a lot of people out there where I think you just need to share. You know, me, I I talk a lot about the importance of relationships and, you know, let people know what you're doing in life because people want to help other people. And so, you know, let your family and your friends know hey, I've got some pictures that I'm looking to hang somewhere. Does your office or your company, you know, ever? need work, you know, artwork hanging? Or do they have a spot where they allow work to kind of be rotated? Because I know that there are like sometimes banks in our area. There's a like a big bank office building that supports local artists. And um, there's an, like an artist of the month type thing there. So just trying to find different places to allow your work to be on display instead of sitting there getting all dusty.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. Well, before we get to our next topic, we have a sponsor to thank. Turn your dream into a reality with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easier than ever to launch your passion project. Whether you're looking to start a new business, showcase your work, publish content, sell products, and more, Squarespace is the tool for you. With beautiful templates created by world-class designers and the ability to customize just about anything with a few clicks, you can easily make a beautiful website yourself. Squarespace's powerful e-commerce functionality lets you sell anything online and analytics help you grow your site in real time. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box and there's nothing to patch or upgrade ever. Buying domains is also simple and you'll get the help you need with Squarespace's 24-7 award-winning customer support. Squarespace empowers millions of people from designers to lawyers to artists and gamers and even restaurateurs and gyms to turn great ideas into something real. So head on over to squarespace.com improve for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code improve to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com improve. And
1: then when you're ready to buy the offer code improve. You know, and to tie up what we were just talking about. You know, that's going to be the future. Instead of like having prints, it's just going to be all these TV screens and (laughs) I don't have to worry about what color, you know, if my colors are off or my papers are off, I'll just, you know, open up a website and have this picture showing on this screen and this one on that screen and that one on that screen. And then if you want to buy it, come to me and I'll have my prints there. That could be pretty cool. That could be.
0: Yeah. Especially, you know, if you're at the, if you're at the restaurant or, or gallery, wherever it is you're at. And they've got the smart screens there and you're able to have your website up maybe on your phone or your tablet or whatever, but it also shows real big. You can put your website up there on the thing and then you can just, you know, have them purchase it right there online. uh, And then, you know, just it'll it'll be shipped to them kind of a thing. That could be a really cool way to to make that sale there's still something though about the print. And that's one thing to to get kind of back to the course. I go through so much post-processing in this course with the intent of creative uh, processing and identifying our creative intent of what it is we want for our photographs, because that's really important. When you're getting a print out, it's about being able to express yourself and get that you know, that, something special to it. And for me, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things in life where I just accept the fact that I'm going to kind of like an old geezer kind of a guy. Um, I'm about as old as you are. So I guess you could be considered an old geezer too, if I'm going to wrap you into it. But thank you. what I mean is, is uh, what I'm really talking about is just the idea of sometimes I like the more traditional way of doing things and a print, there's just something special about it. It's just, it can be so nice um compared to seeing something on screen. There's something lasting, something mm-hmm. evanescent about it, I guess. I don't know.
1: It's, it's it's hard for me to sometimes put that into words, but there's there is. there's something and I think special that's about why, it. And I think when most people that attend something like a, a gallery, you know, they they want to see that. Yeah. They want to there's that that experience. I and mean, that's why it's fun to go to an art museum and see the work hanging up instead of just Googling it and looking in images and seeing it there. Right. So much. You know, there's so much about that physical copy.
0: Absolutely. So let's talk about this idea. I, I kind of titled it Respecting Places. And the first one, I have two of them to, to talk about. And the first one recently in the news comes from Auschwitz. Have you been to Auschwitz?
1: Almost, but no. No? Because... Barbara Streisand was there that day. Okay, <laughs> and that's the that's the brief, quick answer. All when right. I was one of the cities, I had a photograph for the travel company was Krakow, Poland. Mm. And so when I was there, I'm like, oh, you know, I, I'm in I'm in this area. I want to go and, and visit one, and but uh, it was closed down for the day because I guess Barbara Streisand was. Going to visit that's what i was told interesting so no i okay i have not but all right i study it and i teach it in class oh, all the time my, yes it
0: is it's such a sobering place i was there in 2016 and I, it's almost hard to pick up the camera and shoot a picture just because it's such a sobering place at least that's my impression on it that's my you know experience of of being there I wanted to talk about this today because the Auschwitz Memorial Twitter page was asking people simply to not take selfies on the tracks that lead into the facility. And their tweet reads, quote, Remember, you are at a site where over one million people were killed. Respect their memory. There are better places to learn how to walk on a balance beam than the site, which symbolizes deportation of hundreds of thousands of their to their deaths. So, mm. you know, they, they didn't. You know, save any punches. They they just went all out. You know, respect their memory. They're being very uh, clear in what their their purpose is. And if you want to hear a little more about Auschwitz, I actually interviewed a listener who took part in an event called March of the Living. It's something they do every year. And so he went over there uh, a year or two ago, and that's on the Latitude of Photography Podcast. So, getting back to this though they also then included some pictures that they others have posted of people walking on the tracks and they're literally just doing their common oh oh no i'm about to fall over kind of thing things are just really casual there's just you know it, it, looking at those images i could kind of see to me i could kind of see what they're what they're talking about but there's some people that kind of pushed back a little bit and you know some are saying you know walking on them is symbolizing that we're in a much better place right now. And they're saying, let people smile. Remembrance does not mean being solemn and stern all the time. And so then they kind of went back and forth. The museum uh, was going back and forth with uh, some of these people. Uh, So I just thought this was an interesting thing about respecting places. And it's not, you know, (laughs) maybe what they're trying to say is it's not just about you. You know, when you're in a place like this, Think about someone other than yourself. I don't know.
1: How do, how do you mm-hmm. read this, Brian? I, I'm uncomfortable now, uh, to be honest. Like, I feel both ways. Yeah, and I so can understand me, that, both that comment, ways too. Well, that comment about how walking on it symbolizes that we're in a better place. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you know, it, I get that people want to walk on it, especially kids. And I don't have an issue with walking on it. Uh, you know, me personally, I've taught about the Holocaust for 20 years now. To sixth graders, and like I'm always emotionally touched by it, yeah. and I think I, I like if I were to be there, I would probably want to have my hand on a rail and squat down and mm-hmm. just hold it, and just I, I don't know if it would bring me to tears or what. I'm sure many parts of it would, um, but I don't sit there and think, oh, they're walking on it, you know. So it represents this. It, rep-, you know, I I don't think that you should like goof around when you're there. And, you know, I think that with all the countries that I've traveled and visited, as you have as well, um, I think it's important to show respect, you know, because you're in a different country with a different culture. And there are things that you may not realize may upset people. Like I picture, you know, we had just last month, we had um, somebody who survived the Holocaust come to our school and speak to our sixth grade students. And I could tell you that if they were there and there were people goofing around, they probably would have gone over and yanked the person off the rail sure. and said, do you realize what took place here? And not in a way that is like saying, oh my gosh, you're doing the worst thing ever, yeah. but more of the way of, hey, just show more respect yeah. and understand what took place here and what's going on. And, you know, I would probably walk down the middle of the track. I mean, I can't balance very well, so I wouldn't try to to walk on the on the rails. But, you know, I would – I get, like, wanting to walk it and visualizing the route that, you know, the train took and, and all the horrible things that came from it. Yeah. But – so I, I feel both ways about it, you know. I, I don't think that it's a place to go and goof around. It's not Disney World, but – I don't have an issue with people wanting to smile there. I mean, I do think I maybe would struggle to smile, you know, in in a place like that. Um, Actually, I wouldn't even want to be in the photo. You know, that's why I'm a photographer. I like being the one taking the picture. So I wouldn't be in it, I guess.
0: Yeah. I have a feeling that response of let people smile. I have a feeling they're, they're feeling that they were slapped across the face a little too hard by the, what the museum was saying. And they their response was also saying along the lines of you know there's lots of people that disrespect you know whether they're coming out you know with their words and they they are massively racist or whatever the case might be something about they they brought it back to the tracks is like hardly anything compared to what still goes on in the world and the response back from the people at the museum was saying and I'm paraphrasing here we'd like none of that to happen <laughs> you know mm-hmm. we understand these different levels but here we're saying this isn't the place for any of that to happen. And I was like, well, you know, I I can understand where they're coming from, too. And pretty much my position is more power to them. I'm really pleased they took it on and they spoke up for this. But I would hate for it to come to the point to where they just all of a sudden they're, you know, they have guards out there policing it because that's just in an even sadder state of of society if that if it comes to that but i just hope that that it can be something where yeah walk along it for sure and experience it and like you said envision what what was going on try and learn from it uh, as best we can but anyway another one that is totally not related except for just the idea of of uh respect and the idea of in one One uh, article I read, they they talked about all these Instagram influencer wannabes were descending on this little town of Lake Ellison, California. And it got so bad with the super bloom that happens with the California poppies in this place called Walker Canyon. They had in one week, I think it was over 66,000 people descending on the town. And Mm. it's just like, what has happened here (laughs) to where... For some reason, everyone is just like whoo, drawn to it, you know, like a like bugs to a light at nighttime. And the part that troubles me about this one is that people are hiking in places they shouldn't be hiking and they're kicking over rocks and there's people below them in this canyon. And they even had these um, ambulances running back and forth and there was a couple of injuries going on. And it just was overwhelming for this little town. The city even offered a shuttle of $5 per person to help alleviate the congestion. But on Saturday, a couple weeks ago, or last week, whenever it was, the wait times reached 45 minutes. And then on the following Sunday, it doubled. And at that point, the city has just said, we've had enough and they shut it down. But then people are still coming in, even though they've shut it down. And it was backing up. Things were backing up on the highway and it was just like overload. I don't know what
1: you think of stuff like that, Brian. I don't. I don't know what I think about it either. Like, first, I think it's unfortunate that people would be, you know, walking off path and ruining, you know, what people are coming there to see. At the same time, it's like I don't blame people for wanting to come to see something that's extremely beautiful. Right. Yeah. You know? That's
0: that's the that's the conundrum on this one. It's so beautiful, and it's just people are like, awesome. I want to go too. But you know, I've heard of other places. Uh, I forget exactly where it was, but there was some. Uh, sunflowers uh, in one location. And people just started shutting that down too, because they just became overwhelming. These people uh, just came in droves and it's it's hard for small towns like this or you know, little road systems or whatever to deal with that amount of traffic. Uh, for me, this kind of a thing energizes me to actually go the other way kind of a thing. When I see crowds like that, For some reason, there's just something in my mind that says, oh boy, you know, I'd rather go have an experience that doesn't have that many people. But I also have to be careful when I say that because I've been to some extremely popular locations in my life uh, to shoot pictures like the Taj Mahal, let's say. And there's some things that, you know, I can't just say, oh, it's only because people and the mass and, you know, trying to get original pictures. But that is something that does come to mind to say, you know, I'd rather not go there. And I've started to take that on a little more, I think, to say when something becomes overly popularized, for me, I just start to be like, mm, I start to lose an interest and I'd rather see what else is there. But then that can yeah, also because, be a problem because if I go somewhere else and it's really awesome, maybe I'm bringing someone else there
1: and then it's going to ruin that place too. Well, and you're going to spend so much time in Photoshop, erasing all the people <laughs> yeah. out of know, the photos. Yep. And if you're just getting close-ups, then... I don't know. Yeah. It, well, and there's some people who they plan this trip out, you know, for weeks. Right. Uh, and, and maybe months or maybe even years to come and, and see some like Super Bloom taking place. I don't know. I don't have answers for it. Oh,
0: yeah. And I'm not pretending to have like answers this. myself either. Uh, but they did have one thing that was in this article that I link in the show notes. They did have a Super Bloom two years ago, and they hardly had any of the crowds like they had this time. It was just, for some reason, something happened this year where it was just all of a sudden 66,000 people. Uh, it's just like, wow, that's that's a lot. So anyway, I just thought I'd bring it to people's attention and, and encourage folks, in one sense, respect places. In another sense, with something like this, it's like, hmm, I, I don't know exactly what to think of it because I would love to get some hillsides of the California poppies photographed, but... It just seems I, I'm not as interested anymore. For be, you know, obviously I live far away, but um, because it just seems overdone, and it's kind of lost a certain specialness to me when a when a town is uh, suffering
1: like this, just because there's so many people. But anyway, again, I don't. I, I, think, I don't pretend to have answers. I think as photographers, we need to remember that it's not always about us. For sure, you know, it's not. A, it it's not. Even though to us, it's about the shot. Yeah, it's not always about the shot. You know. Yeah when when it's like affecting the nature that we're trying to capture or the people who work hard to preserve that and you know keep the place accessible and it's impacting them, you know, we've just got to remember that it's not always about us and yeah. things don't always go how we have it planned. Absolutely. So on
0: our doodads of the week, what do you have for us,
1: Brian? Yeah. So I am getting ready uh for my for my trip out to Colorado and I've got four kids and there's going to be, uh, they don't have devices, but we've got like some computers for them to be able to watch a movie halfway there and all that. So I'm going to need some electricity. Absolutely. And also uh, with the drone stuff I'm going to have going on and as quickly as those batteries drain, I'm going to need my batteries ready to go again. So I found this little uh, power uh, AC converter, uh, on Amazon that I'm excited about and, and hopefully works well. It's got like two USB ports and then two regular plug ports. Uh, and it was fairly affordable around $40. And so, uh, I am excited to use that and to have one with me just because I don't have, I've got an older vehicle that doesn't have like the USB, um, you know, slot for chargers and all that. Right. And, I've kind of got to do old school with the old, the lighter area. So See, I told you you're an old guy like me. <laughs> I am. Well, you know, I don't know when the, this will come out probably just before. So my birthday is coming up on April 8th. Oh, that's right. So it's coming up soon and I'm going to be uh, 44. Yeah. So I'll
0: be, actually, I, I'll be right behind you on June, in June. So yeah. Uh
1: catching up. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's young, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so that's what I that's what I picked. It, just a, a nice little uh, AC converter that will just take all my technology and keep it going wherever I need to go.
0: What about you? It's amazing how cheap those things have become in the last couple of years. I mean, like 30 oh, bucks yeah. for this. I, I just need to mm-hmm. get one of those.
1: So I chose... No, wait, 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 wait. Do you really need to just get one? Or is it one of those things where you're like, actually, oh, I don't, but I want one. We we have a. I might
0: get two because we have a power port in the back of the van as well. We have a minivan, oh, and so we got okay, a power nice. port back there too. So we could power the the two older boys back there, and
1: then um, run with us up front. Hmm. <laughs> you know what? I didn't think about that. I might need to get another one really quick. Yeah. I mean it was thirty dollars and it came I think the next day and I've got like three days till I leave for my trip. So hey, that's a good point. Why not? You're smart. You're smart. <laughs> a smart okay, a smart old guy. There you go. What's yours?
0: So last week I chose the Sony A sixty four hundred as my doodad. So this time I decided to include extension tubes and that is something that'll just allow you to Effectively convert any lens you have, I should say, almost any lens you have, into a macro type lens because it affects how close focusing your your lens can do. It just adds space between your camera body and the and the um, the lens itself, and so that affects close focusing. And it, this thing comes in two sizes. It has a sixteen millimeter tube and a 10 millimeter tube, and you can stack them together for a total of 26. So uh, I'm not changing to Sony. I I want to make sure people understand that I don't view this anyway as like, I'm switching to Sony kind of a thing. It's just, I bought one for use of my students because I always rent uh, cameras out to the students at the school. And this summer when I go gangbusters crazy on some new video content for my website, I'm going to use this camera likely for my video. And I figured, well, why don't I just get some extension tubes as well and play with some macro on this really nice, small camera. So it will be amazing, I think.
1: You know what else is amazing? I think it's amazing that for all the years that we've had this podcast going, like each time, each episode, multiple people have shared doodads. Like there's a lot of junk out there.
0: (laughs) Yes, there is.
1: (laughs) For us. And I know there's a lot of people out there who also probably like buy that stuff and one of these days, they're going to send, not me, they're going to send it to you. They're going to send you their, their bills <laughs> or, or their receipts and, and want you to reimburse them for it. Because there's a lot of cool junk that we just don't need. But
0: but extension tubes want.
1: are not on that list. We do need extension tubes. Right, <laughs> right. No, 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 no. I'm thinking of me having two power converters. That's right. When I really d- maybe don't even need one.
0: So. Yeah. what Whatever happened to, you know, when you and I were kids, because you grew up in roughly the same area that I grew up. And when when I went on road trips, it was all about
1: counting cows, pigs and horses. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, and we counted them backwards because oh, there you, we sat we sat in the back of the vehicle. Oh uh, yeah. You know, looking and like, oh there's one. Oh, there's one. And and it was also about, you know, okay, dad gets the left
0: side of the vehicle, the kids get the right side of the vehicle or, or whatever. And then there, was, of course is the alphabet game with letters on signs. And of course so yeah, the the electricity kind of kills
1: those kinds of games. Yeah. Oh, well, well, that's why, you know, being a teacher, my kids are limited. My kids don't get devices uh, until they absolutely have a job or or need one. Awesome. But yeah. So, hey, speaking of teachers, you know, you being one and me being one special shout out to all the teachers out there that uh, dabble in photography. Absolutely. Or rock their photography. Um, You betcha.
0: Yes. Good stuff. All right. So some reminders for you. MasterPhotographyPodcast.com is the home for the show. And if you want to head on over there to check out the show notes, links for all these things we're talking about, that's where they live. And then there's a Facebook group, of course, Master Photography Podcast. Search it for it on Facebook. And there is a question there. You need to answer a question about who the hosts are. And so if you were to put Brian or myself Uh, don't actually type the word myself Uh, you know Brent Mm -hmm. is who I'm referencing there and then we've got Connor Erica and of course Jeff and um, then we also have an Instagram account at Master Photography Podcast you can look that up too. For my work it's all available over at my website brentbergherm.com and that's where I'm going to be uh, hosting my course as well when it finally comes out and I've got some some uh, workshops that are looking for a few more people. So the end of this month, by the time you hear this, you've got like three or four days. Uh, if you're interested in shooting a total solar eclipse uh, with me and some other people in Chile this summer, I uh, invite you to look that up on the website. And then also I've got the, um, the shoot and print workshop. So it's happening here in Walla Walla where we'll go through in person that whole print process. That's going to be awesome to do. And then Croatia later in the summer as well. So check that out over there on the website. And then, of course, my podcast, LatitudePhotographyPodcast.com. And Brian, where can we find you?
1: Uh, You can find me. My website's com. My handle for social media is at BrianMcGuckin. I'm going to be working on my YouTube a little bit more, getting that going. Uh, Instagram's probably where I throw up my newest of things whenever I get around to it.
0: Sounds good. Yes, I've got some things on YouTube as well. And so you can search there for that as well. And thank you, everybody, so much for listening. And we'll see you again in another seven days.